I think we're in a volatile market right now. And I, I think obviously we're in a volatile interest rate environment, but that doesn't really erase the fact that there is a significant need for more affordable homes, especially in the markets that we're targeting and in that particular rental band cohort that we're targeting also. Hello and welcome to The REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borgs and Quito. Before we get to our guest today, I wanted to let you know about NARIT's upcoming REIT World Conference. More than a thousand industry experts will be at the event, including investors, analysts and REIT management teams. You'll have the chance to connect with them and to hear from our guest speakers, including former Federal Reserve Governor Randall Krosner and San Francisco Mayor London Breed. REIT World will be on November 15th, 16th and 17th in San Francisco, and I encourage you to register at REIT.com forward slash REIT World. Now, onto the podcast. My guest today is Paul McDermott, President and CEO of Elm Communities, formerly known as WashReIT. Paul is here to talk about Elm's evolution and strategy as it focuses on the mid-market rental space. Paul, thanks for joining the podcast today. My pleasure, Sarah. Thank you. So can you start by describing the evolution that Elm's predecessor, WashReIT, took over the course of your leadership and the steps that it has taken to really reach the position it's in today? The company, I I believe folks know, but the company was previously in five asset classes. And when I came on board, we were in the process of uh, selling off medical office and had previously sold off industrial. Uh, That was really our first big shift. Um, the first thing I did when I came on board was uh, establish a research function, uh, and the company had never had one in its history, and that's been a big part of our uh, transformation and our future. We also took the opportunity to look at our operating model and culture, and we outsourced components of our operations. It became uh, a bit leaner and, and I would say more efficient. We tightened our culture and really focused on our execution and our collaboration. Our efforts uh, really, as as the management uh, dug in deeper, was really to streamline our portfolio. We started messaging our intent to focus on multifamily around 2016. Uh, This is also the time that our research identified that mid-market price points uh, would offer us a a tremendous growth opportunity. Uh, And in 2019, We had a large acquisition of uh, now called the Assembly Portfolio, uh, seven communities that started tipping the balance towards value-oriented multifamily. In 2021, I think we we really made our our boldest move to date and uh, sold off both our office and our retail portfolios, which allowed us to fully focus on multifamily. Since then, we've been working on changing our operating model, uh, bringing management in-house so that we can provide more value for our residents and our shareholders. And that shift, uh, of course, is what led us to this rebranding and repositioning uh, exercise that the company is going through right now. Now, turning to housing affordability, what has your research highlighted about the mid-market segment that you're targeting and this concept of value living? And given the state of the economy, do you see this becoming even more important going forward? Our research uh, highlights a few aspects of the mid-market segment. First, it's the deepest part of the demand curve. Households making between, let's say, 35000 and 75000 comprise over a third of total rental households 
and our targeted Sunbelt markets. Second, new product supply just simply is not affordable in the vast majority of these mid-market households. So yes, there's demand for new apartments, but not from the renter cohort that we're targeting. Like if I was to look in the Sunbelt markets that we're analyzing right now, the share of new product delivering since 2018 that's affordable to the households, let's say making $60,000 is 2% or less. And even if you were to increase that, that income to in markets such as Atlanta, let's say you take it from 60 to 70,000, the affordable share is in the low single digit. So while supply is indeed coming to the market, uh, the vast majority of the product doesn't compete directly with the older vintages that we target a value living product. And that's why that's, that's really the focus of our strategy. I'll, I'll stay with example, excuse me, I'll stay with Atlanta, for example. Um, just 12% of the new product delivered over the past five years is priced below uh, market median for the region. Uh, conversely, high quality product, uh, that it's older vintage that offers, you know, let's call quality services um, priced below the market median is a very compelling offer in the market. And candidly, Sarah, we really just don't face the amount of competition uh, that people would expect from new product because it's often priced hundreds of dollars more per month. So the disconnect between demand and supply uh, really results in strong outperformance of older and more moderately priced vintages of assets versus the new prop. You know, if I was to look over, let's say the past year, the past four quarters, and I look at the 80s and 90s uh, vintages, um, on average, I would say that for the 80s, it's about 100 basis points, and for the 90s, about 270 basis points, better year-over-year -year effective growth, rent growth than the regional averages within, within our southeastern target markets. Um, this trend mirrors longer term outperformance in these older vintages, and that's that's why we continue to to target that. And anybody that that would like to look at that, you know, we've we posted our strategy last year when we sold out of office, and I think we've tried to reinforce that uh, throughout all of our origination and everything we've done to date uh, as we as we've accumulated units in these target markets. Um, you asked about. You know, do we do we see uh, demand? Um, quite frankly, we we see the shortage of affordable housing in our target markets and, and options there not going away anytime soon. I mean, I think Freddie Mac uh, referenced they believe that there's a shortage of 3.8 million homes in that affordable component that we talk about. So yes, we do think de demand is going to remain strong. People need a quality place to live. And we're, we're here to provide that at a price point that we think has only increased in attractiveness during, you know, in this uh, current economic climate and going forward. And you've already mentioned Atlanta. So what makes the Sunbelt particularly attractive for you and what geographic balance are you ultimately seeking? Um, for instance, would you look beyond the Sunbelt for other markets to consider? So we like the Sunbelt for a variety of reasons, and that can most easily be described by the positive economic feedback loop that exists there. They have nation-leading skilled labor in migration, and that's fueling the, the establishment, the growth, and the relocation of innovative industries that, that are looking for that 
skilled labor, the relationship between skilled labor and business development across industries really varies. Uh, You can be looking at someone in software development or electronic uh, automotive manufacturing, and it's really created a dynamic economic ecosystem there. Uh, And the strong wage growth and the multiplier effects of mid-wage employment growth. So that ecosystem in these Sunbelt markets creates strong apartment demand and capacity for sustainable rent growth. Having, as you know, you know, we really only got into the Southeast in 2021, um, but and having departed the, our traditional, you know, uh, District Maryland and Virginia markets, we now have 20% of our homes in the Sun Belt. And from there, we're going to continue to move in that direction. Uh, I think, in terms of uh, portfolio parity, we would be shooting in the in the you know near to midterm, forty percent of our portfolio being in the Sun Belt. And to answer your question, where else? We think the breadth of the Sun Belt market provides us plenty of great and diverse opportunities for investment for the foreseeable future. So that's going to continue to be our focus for now, Sarah. Great. And can you talk a little bit about how your new operating model and technology platform will function on a daily basis and what sort of benefits you expect to produce from those? We're really focused on improving what makes a difference now and what we can uh, provide to, you know, distinguish ourselves from a competitive basis. I think efficiency is is critical on every dollar that we spend uh, on our properties and our residents. Um, We've prioritized efficiency when making operational decisions during our infrastructure transformation, and that can be from maximizing our operating margins to making sure we're doing everything we can with the resources we have to provide ease of living for our residents. So what have we, what have we done so far? Uh, our ongoing, first, our ongoing focus on revenue management through uh, daily pricing strategies or achieving better rents than we and we actually uh, underwrote when we bought these properties. And given that we already control all of our leasing and portfolio management in-house, onboarding the first set of communities has only strengthened our ability to manage leasing decisions by basically removing the, the middleman and providing a closer connection with uh, community-level teams. Uh, second, we have recruited outstanding new talent, including key portfolio community key portfolio community managers, and we look forward to continuing to welcome the on-site community teams to our company as we onboard properties. Uh, I think you know we're we're just starting that process right now, Sarah, and that's going to continue in phases through next summer. Third, I believe we've really harnessed the power of the data as we implement our new and improved technology platform by providing access to data through our reorganized, streamlined infrastructure and technology platform, we've really reduced friction and improved our analytical capabilities. And I think we've also better positioned our company to execute on our mission of raising the bar for mid-market price points while growing profitably. I believe the significant changes that we've implemented have set us up, up to deliver growth. And while we're already seeing the benefits of our transformation, we really feel that the, the real payoff is still ahead of Wash Reed and its shareholders. Can you also talk about the ways that you're looking to elevate service for tenants and why you think that is an important area of focus? Sure. As an operator now, we really see a, a unique opportunity to be a differentiated provider uh, of multifamily homes by delivering 
uh, superior value living experience. To us, this this really starts with making the most of the, the capital that we're spending in our communities, um, meaning like customer service that goes beyond just responding to you know resident inquiries or tickets as we call them, but really trying to anticipate the needs of our residents and really empowering our on-site teams at our communities to add value with every interaction. Um, I've talked about that we have research and we continually seek feedback uh, from our residents. I think that is really giving us a lens into what our residents value and, and we're trying to provide uh, you know, amenities that meet those needs. For example, we're already investing in smart home and building automation that's really having an impact and makes sense at mid-market price points. We've also just launched a partnership with Isuzu, which will ensure that on-time rent payments are reported to the credit bureaus. And we're really doing that to try to help our residents uh, build uh, resident credit scores. So we think that, that those are just two examples, but they're both winners uh, in that, in that mid-range price point. We're also focused on delivering uh, industry-leading environmental performance for value-oriented communities. Great. And we've covered a lot of ground, but is there anything you'd like to add either about changes at Elm or the state of the larger multifamily market today? Well, I'd first say that, you know, kind of as, as the oldest REIT in the country, our transformation has really been the culmination of a lot of hard work and dedication from our team at all levels. Very proud of my colleagues, how much they how much they have done, how well they've adapted to the change this company has gone through for you know, over the last several years, but most importantly, kind of how enthusiastic they are about our future and really having a monoline focus on, on multifamily. The changes that, that we've made go much deeper than, you know, changing our name, changing our brand. We've revamped uh, our technology, our forward operating platform, and I really feel like we have a clear strategy and mission meeting the needs of the deepest cohorts we're expecting to deliver the strongest growth we're at, we've had in 20 years. I mean, that, as I said earlier, that, that mid-market renter is, is really the deepest part of the demand curve, and we only see that curve growing. So I think us you know, dovetailing our operational transformation as well as you know, uh, geographically diversifying into these growth markets, I really feel like we've set ourselves up for growth, and you know, we've, we've already put out guidance uh, for 2023. And it's, you know, it's got to be our strongest guidance uh, in over 20 years. So uh, I really look forward to the future uh, and, and the growth that we're going to be uh, putting out there for our shareholders. I think we're in a volatile market right now. And I, I think obviously we're in a volatile interest rate environment, but that doesn't really uh, erase the fact that there is a significant need for more affordable homes, especially in the markets that we're targeting and in that particular rental band cohort that we're targeting also. So we will be, uh, we will adapt with the environment like other companies, but I'm very uh, comfortable that we're very focused on a, a certain price point. And I think we're going to be efficient and, and really raise the standard of that, that value add living component uh, in the multifamily space, Sarah. Well, well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Sarah, and I, I greatly appreciate you giving us the opportunity to, to talk about Elm Communities. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Mm-hmm.